sportinglife.com, the home of expert analysis and insight for racing, football, golf, and much more. Well, welcome along to the Sporting Life Racing Podcast. Nearly a full team this week. A full team are appearing, only one of them is a pre-record. David Ard, joined by Ben Linfoot, Ed Chamberlain, Graham Cunningham, David Johnson, to look back on last week's trials action and ahead to what's always a wonderful three days at York for the Dante Festival. We'll do so too in the company of William Darby, Chief Executive and Clerk of the Court at the Naysmeyer. We'll be hearing from Billy Nash on his thoughts on one or two of the new stories and recent action. And I believe one or two of the lines might well appear on this week's GC's News Round. Morning, Gore. You're absolutely right, Dave. I don't like, you know, commenting on officials. It's it's a pain, but, but look what happened last week. Anyway, here we go. Gowron Commissars jumped on Burns and Bruder for that ridiculous alert non-buzzer. Bruder says Allard made a noise throughout the race. Gavin, so would you if you were being strangled. Burns, very disappointed with the verdict. Everyone has a right to appeal, Charles. But Johnny Cochran died in 2005, and even he wouldn't get you off this one. D'Souza, D'Souza, either way, 10 months for facilitating a bet for fellow Brazilian Wagner Borges in Hong Kong. Oof. Betfair Bantasaurus, Brendan Duke, admits he doesn't actually know what SDS did, but he farts out a view that Sylvester has absolutely zero chance on appeal. Just outstanding analysis. Kilbegan Commissars, not convinced with St. Rachel's explanation about riding a finish a circuit early. Couldn't be certain her misjudgment, if any, caused her to fail to obtain the best placing. Kilbegan Commissars, I'm not convinced with your explanation, but I am certain that you should be embarrassed. Kilani Commissars, Saldia barges into Vina Ardanza jumping the last, just holds on. Takes you ages to call an inquiry. Then you rule that barge, big barge, didn't cost the runner up a nose. A nose! Let's be clear, there's nothing wrong with the rules here but some people enforcing them plainly aren't up to the job. Do me a favor, take your incompetence and get lost. Quick classic trial summary, save the last dance. For me, savage Galileo power. Arrest, emphatic, might have been a thin race. San Antonio, five cracks to win the D. Mm. Eternal hope, useful, but much more needed in the Oaks. Military power, now. That's more like it. Aiden leaning hard on Augustus Rodan for the derby. Ben Linfoot looks at his derby odds with genuine astonishment. Linfoot rubbing it in now. No Ballydol Colt, Bargos under 25 to 1 in the Epsom lists. Tough going, now the Galileo Wells running dry. Keep hearing this derby picture is muddled, but is it really? I'm still a Gus fan, but he's hard to back. Arrest. Plausible, but military honour, bred to win a derby. He stays, he handles tight left-hand bends, and he's already 119p on time form. How's that blend not going to be banging the mix at Epsom? Solid new contender, Dave, for the daftest saying in racing. Charlie Appleby, working backwards from the art with Hurricane Lane. Martin Brassil, 
working backwards from the 2024 Gold Cup with faster slow. Chaz, Martin, I'm working backwards from making the Ryder Cup team. And like you, I'm a big price to pull it off. Can't even get a slot on Ed Chamberlain's golf day. Disgrace job. Some whip data worth noting, lads. Apprentices and amateurs currently responsible for 36% of flat breaches and a whopping 52% of jumps offences. Oi, kids in Corinthians, get it sorted. Dante Festival incoming, Dave. Memories of Saki, Northlight, Motivator, Authorized, Golden Horn, Roaring Lion, Workforce, Hurricane Lane, Desert Crown, Islington, Sariska, The Fugue, Snowfall, and Emily Upjohn. This week, I feel princess against Creative Force and Australia's 10th best sprinter in the Duke of York. Ledger winner Elder Elderov back in the Yorkshire Cup. Loads of hot handicaps, tidy weather forecast, and stewards with a passing knowledge of the rule book. Dave, what's not to like? Brilliant stuff. Adama, thank you, GC. We Punchiest ever. Punch you said a lot in there. Now this isn't like this isn't a debate of society. Billy Nash is now going to join us to discuss some of the things raised by GC, principally those two major incidents in Ireland. Billy, plenty of lines for you to count on this week as well. Let's start with Charles Burns and the fine uh, over the winning of Elat at Galran Park. What did you make of the incident? Well, Dave, it and, and Charles admitted as much himself. It wasn't pleasant viewing. Um, it didn't look good. But you have to remember, this horse, you know, the stewards very much had this horse on, on their radar. He ran in a similar race to Gordon about a month ago. They were brought in after that race to explain the running and riding of Elat. Um, their explanations on that occasion were noted, principally because the horse was coughing post-race. And then, obviously, he came back and ran last week. Um, similar situation. He was well backed in the morning. He drifted out on course. And he got what you'd have to call an injudicious ride. He finished seemingly full of running, um, finished a never nearer fourth. It took an awful long time to be pulled for Gerald Droder to pull him up. Yet he came back in and told the stewards that the horse was leg weary and he felt he was going to fall and had to walk him back into the to the uh, winner's enclosure. Like I said, it, it didn't look good. Um, it, it made for poor viewing, and I'm not at all surprised the stewards took pretty strong action, even though the horse was found to be coughing again post-race this time. Now, I suppose the interesting thing here, like Charles Burns got a fine of €6,000, which is quite meaty. Uh, Gerald Ruder got 21 days, but I think their past records in you know similar events has, has um, counted against them here. Neither of them would be blemish-free when it comes to these sort of incidents. And obviously, like I said, the stewards were, were keeping a close eye on that. But Charles Burns um, has very publicly come out and said that he was not happy with the ride the horse was given. And in most instances, Dave, when that happens, the trainer essentially washes his hands of it and is normally left off scot-free. So I don't know whether Charles Burns appealed or not. I'd be surprised if he didn't. And if he did appeal, it'd be very interesting to see what happens next time out. But like I said, it was it didn't look good, and I'm not surprised that the schools essentially threw the book at them. Seems like two runs, holding twice and coughing twice as well. It's quite quite a story around the horse. Quite a story around Rachel Blackmore as well. I think and people of the opinion she rolled a finish, missed up the winning post on the long circuit. Uh, the local shows didn't agree, but the IHRB are now taking a look. This sounds a bit of a mess, Billy. An absolute shambles is the only way you could describe this, Dave. 
uh, from start to finish. First of all, anybody that watched the race would be of the same opinion that Rachel almost certainly, or there's no almost about it, she certainly rode a finish circuit too soon. She misjudged the winning post. She went five or six lengths clear. You could see her glancing up at the big screen once or twice. And once she was past the post, she essentially pulled up. Now, she came back in and said that she hadn't misjudged the winning post. But to be honest, her explanation doesn't really make any sense to me, Dave, because she said the horse was running over a longer trip for the first time. So she wanted to ensure that the race was run at a strong gallop. Now, you would have thought because it was running over a longer trip for the first time, she'd be quite happy if they didn't go a strong gallop. Um, then she said that she, the horse was leery in front and she just allowed the animal to come back underneath her and give her another chance. That just doesn't wash with me. It was, you know, it was pretty obvious watching it what happened. But the local stewards on the day, um, for some unknown reason, they couldn't, and I quote, they could not be certain her misjudgment, if any, had caused her to fail to obtain the best possible place. Now, anybody who watches Racing Dave will know that, you know, this was a, a mistake by Rachel Blackmore. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, to crucify Rachel Blackmore here. I'm a big fan of hers. But like any other jockey, she makes mistakes from time to time, and this was really one of them. Um, I think it, it beggars belief that the stewards on the day didn't feel it was necessary or didn't feel, you know, they, they said they... We're not really, we don't really believe what you told us, but, you know, we're not going to give you a bet anyway, which doesn't, you know, doesn't make any sense at all. And I think it, it does raise a big issue about the standard of stewarding and, you know, who who these, you know, I don't know what the qualification to become a steward in Ireland is, Dave, but I think it's something that really needs to be looked at because that was just a pretty open and shut case, I would have thought. Um, I think... It's probably trial by social media for Rachel now because there was a big hullabaloo on Twitter and things about it. That's why the IHRB have seen fit to reopen the case. I'm absolutely certain that once they do, um, Rachel Blackmore will be getting a ban of some description. And uh, uh, But again, like those stewards and uh, stipendry stewards that were on duty on that occasion, I'm sure there'll be there'll be no sanctions handed out there. You know, um, they'll be back officiating at the next meeting or whatever. And we're kind of in a vicious circle. I mean, these incidents will keep happening unless there's proper stewarding put in place. And there's, you know, I, I, I just think it's a, it's an area where Ireland really does need to, to have a proper look. We've had a number of stewarding incidents in recent times in Ireland. And, you know, you just say it, it, it does look a bit amateurish at times. I'd love to claim the, 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 the water is a much higher quality, Billy, but I, I wouldn't be able to. I don't think we're there. A straight paper, but more to come on that story. More to come on Aidan O'Brien's Derby plans too. But the good news, August Rodan firmly on target, firmly still the Ballydoyle number one. San Antonio failed to shake Aidan's mindset by winning the D stakes at Chester. Could anything have happened at York? Do you think something throw the hat in the ring there to make him think twice? Or, or is it is it is it just single focus at the minute for the man? Well, first of all, um, you know, I, I read Scoop's column during the week where he he claims that August Rodin is the worst Derby favourite of all time. And I'd have to say, for once I agree with him, um, <laughs> I wouldn't back August Rodin at 4-1 to run in the race at the moment, not to mind win it. Uh, I think you couldn't fancy him on the back of his new market run. And, you know, for him to get back to his best in such a short space of time, I I don't see it happening. I'd be, To be honest, Dave, I'd be surprised if he ran. Um, I'm sure Bally Doyle were hoping that between Chester last week and York this week that they'd maybe unearthed a new candidate. 
Um, San Antonio, I suppose, to some extent, threw his hat in the ring at Chester last week. But you know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be going bald for him after Epsom on the back of that. It was it was an improved run, but he has a long way to go to become a Derby horse. They have one, I think, a really interesting candidate in the Dante, but at the moment he's not actually in the Derby, and that's a horse called Continuous, who's unbeaten. He won a, a maiden for newcomers at the Cora last year, and then went on to to win a Group Three in France at Saint Cloud, a race that'll be remembered. Much more for the fact that Christophe Soumian uh, elbowed another jockey out of the saddle than the fact that Continuous won it. But he's a really interesting horse. He's, he's by Hearts Cry, a top Japanese stallion. Um, he's out of a full sister to maybe. He's, he's from a really good family. He looked a bit, you know, he looked like a really nice horse when he won at the Cora last year. Uh, I could certainly see him making up into a, a proper, you know, pattern performer this year. But Clearly, they didn't think enough of him to enter in the derby, which is unusual for Aidan O'Brien because they, they just seem to block into everything. Now, if he does come out and win the Dante this week, you can be absolutely certain he'll be supplemented. And maybe then Augusto then will not be their number one candidate. But that's all ifs and buts at the moment. But he is a, he is a really interesting horse and he's one I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing running again. It was clearer in the Oaks in the Save the Last Dance, went to the Cheshire Oaks last week and spread eagle her field. Good time from number to back it up as well. She's short for Epsom. Do you think she deserves to be? On her performance last week, I think absolutely she does. Uh, we were talking about her last week, saying, well, I was surprised that she was favoured for the Oaks, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, you know, that was a pretty devastating performance, Dave. She ran to a higher figure, actually, a higher uh, time farm rating than the winner of the the, the race after the rest, uh, who's obviously high in the derby betting, but she was deeply impressive. I mean, yes, there are mitigating factors. Okay, it was soft ground and maybe some of the others didn't handle it. She clearly handled it better than anything else on the day. Um, you know, the calibre of opposition might not have been great. But even still, and yeah, maybe they, like Ryan Moore said afterwards, the, that they went very fast. Now, the standard, the sectional times wouldn't suggest that they did. Um, in actual fact, the, the finishing speeds were, were pretty quick. So I don't think they went overly fast in front. But no matter what way you caught it up to, she won by 22 lengths. I mean, it's how often do you see any listed race on the flat won by 22 lengths? And she did it under hands and heels riding. The farther she went, the farther away she was going. I don't think Chester really suited her, but she's a filly that's improving in leaps and bounds. She will come on again, and I think absolutely she's the right favourite for the Oaks on the, on the back of that run. But, you know, maybe there'll be a new candidate emerge this week. Could well be. Lombarda is the O'Brien representative of the Musi Dara. On Wednesday, at this stage, it looks quite a deep renewal of that that group to it, yard. It looks a fascinating race, yeah. Um, it, it's it looks a very competitive Musidora, and it's a race that Aidan doesn't have a, a really good record in down through the years. I think Snowfall is the only filly that has won it from for O'Brien. Of course, she did go on to win the the Oaks afterwards. Lambada, you'd have to say, goes to York with a similar kind of a profile to save the last dance in that she's a recent maiden winner. Uh, she's a well-bred filly herself. She's a Dubawi out of a, her dam won the Rockfell and wasn't seen afterwards. But she was noticeably weak in the market prior to winning a maiden at Gordon, but she won it really nicely. She won it by the about four lengths. I don't know how strong a race that it, that was. Um, the place horses haven't run since. It looked a, an average maiden, not nothing more than that. But she's a progressive filly. I would imagine she'll improve again the step up to... It, it was not in a kind of an extended nine furlings at Gordon, so the slightly longer trip will suit her but she definitely does need to take another step up in this race because this is quite a deep try. I should have segued into this off the back of our talk earlier about the Goblanco and the Dante. I didn't, but let's talk White Birch. Not trained by Aidan. Ballysack's winner, though. Is he selling under the radar a bit, Billy, coming into this Dante? 
he probably is because, like you said, he's trained by John Murphy, who wouldn't be uh, renowned as having you know this caliber of horse. Um, but he he certainly has a nice one here in White Birch. He's a he's a lightly raced colt. Um, caught the eye first time at Nace, then went to Dundalk and won a maiden at Dundalk by a long way. I think he won by six and a half lengths that day or seven furlongs, and you know wasn't particularly well fancied. Again, probably because he came in under the radar a small bit for the Bally Sacks, but he won it well. Um, the horse he beat up and under of Joseph O'Brien's went on to run to a very similar figure when second in the Derby trial, what used to be the Dermanstown Derby trial um, at Leperstown there a couple of weeks ago. So that form looks pretty solid. Um, White Birch is, he's an improving colt. I think the step up, he will get a mile and a half, the, the mile and a quarter, obviously the Dante won't be an issue for him. He'll need to improve again. It's certainly not beyond the realms of possibility that he can do that. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's probably more of a watching brief. I don't see him necessarily as a derby horse just yet, but I'm really interested to see how he gets on this week. And just finally, the Stegers in the Yorkshire Cup on Friday. I haven't got a few in there, but the most interesting would be current favourite for the Gold Cup at Ascot, Emily Dickinson. Yeah, he's got a couple, like you said. He's got Broom, who, of course, won the, the marathon at, at Maidan, but... Definitely Emily Dickinson is the one that I'm looking forward to seeing in that. I was really, really impressed with her on her comeback run at Navin, um, where she really took care of a good horse in French claim who you know, who was race fit, um, went out and made it a good gallop, and Emily Dickinson absolutely devoured devoured the hill at Navin, quickened up past him, won as she liked. Um, you know, I was doubting at the start of the year when Aidan said he had a couple of candidates to possibly fill the shoes of Kiprius. I wasn't sure that he did, but Having looked at her that day, I think she's going to be a serious there this year. Um, she had plenty of runs last year, but she's, you know, not many at this sort of trip. Her most impressive win last year came and stepped up to uh, almost two miles in the lockdown stakes at the corner at the back end. Now, it's the only possible thing about her is her two best performances have come on quite soft ground. I'm not entirely convinced that she needs it, but obviously she handles it really well. Uh, I think there will be definitely cutting the ground at York this week, but I, I was really impressed with her the other day. She can only improve from that, and I think she's going to take an offset of beating if, you know, assuming she turns up in the Arbiter Cup this week. This is Sporting Life. More fourth live views there from uh, Billy and I. David, you made the point in our team WhatsApp group earlier that Ch- Billy, Billy points out that Charles Burns distanced himself from the ride involved um, last week. It was a different situation with Warwick Greytrex and the 14 day band handed out at Warwick, though. Yeah, it was. Um, and this was a running and riding of Jess of Dreams in the second division of the Maiden Hurdle at Warwick on Saturday evening. And I mean, it's a race that's well worth watching, uh, you know, to form your own conclusions as much as anything. But um, he's basically dropped out, crept into the race. And the only real urgency you see from his jockey is to get second late on once the winner is sort of. Uh, gone beyond recall really now um he's ridden by a seven pound claim at dylan kitts and uh, he picked up 14 days for failing to take all measures to obtain the best possible placing now at the stewards inquiry the trainer confirmed the instructions and said he was satisfied with the ride which you know i just find it um puzzling really how a seven pound claimer who carries out the ride the instructions to the letter that he's been given by the trainer, how he gets hung out to dry, yet the trainer gets off scot-free. And, you know, I mean, Greytrex is actually quoted in the paper, the Racing Post, uh, in the subsequent days, and uh, he's saying, 
give credit where it's due. The young claimer has given the horse the best rice he possibly could. I was happy with how he'd ridden it. Now, I, I just, I think it's staggering, like I say, that uh, the trainer can get off without any censure or punishment when the young lad has been given 14 days. Um, you know, the horse was having its third start. If this horse was going to get a mark, that um, has basically helped conceal its ability. Who benefits? It's not just a seven-pound claimer, is it? It's the trainer, at least as much as the rider, the owner. So, you know, for the fact that the trainer gets off, despite the fact that he's told him to ride him in the way that he's been ridden, I just think um, that that was something that the BHA might, the BHA might need to look at a little bit closer. Yeah, really interesting points there from... David, another talking point, Ben, from Billy's, I'm not going to say ramblings, Billy's, Billy's opinions, Billy's views. <laughs> he, he referenced your column. You can always tell how, how your punting Saturday's been. If you've had the kids at home on the Saturday, you tend to write a very angry column on a Saturday afternoon off the back of it. <laughs> I think I think the kids are a nightmare on Saturday. You've written August Rodan, worst derby favourite ever. Yeah, it, it was a bad Saturday. It was, <laughs> I lost a few quid. The kids were doing my head, and you've nailed it down. But you you commissioned this, basically. You said... No, no, well, well the commission was your analysis of the Derby trial so far. Yeah, you, you know, have a look at the Derby market after the Chester and the Lingfield trial and just tell me what you thought. And I did exactly that. It, yeah, it feels like it's getting personal with Argus Rodan, but that, <laughs> I can absolutely assure you that is not the case, you know. It's just his price. It's his price on both occasions uh, for the Guineas and, and now the Derby. I just I just find it staggering, really, that he's still 4-1 to one joint favourite in places after what we've seen this spring on the back of his two-year-old form, uh, you know, you know, beating 22 lengths in a Guineas and he's still hanging on there as favourite in places. I know the... The Derby trial season has been a bit of a washout, hasn't it? With with the weather, you know, Sandown getting cancelled, testing ground at Chester, etc. Lingfield switched to the polytrack, but I was really impressed with military order, and I think he should be standout favourite on his own with with Argos Rodan nowhere near him really. And um, you know, like I said, it's nothing against the horse; it's, it's just his price. It just feels way too short to me, and. I wouldn't be surprised if the O'Brien horse improved on better ground going up in trip, but to win a derby, it's, um, it's asking a lot. Scott, I'm not advocating you do a John Barton and stick up a pitch on Tottenham Corn on derby day, but if if Linfoot and Son were, were a, a betting for that, now what price would you have August Rodan for that? What, what's his true price, you think, for the oh, derby? That's a, that's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a very fair question after writing something like that, I guess. Um I mean, I guess you can only go the biggest price in the market, can't you? Oh, no, no, but what do you, but if you, what, put, what do you if, think is true prices? What price if you're being sensitive, no, I'm, I'm not going to get dragged down that lane, Dave. I will go the biggest it. price in the market. Well, there you go. Ben Linfoot credit, top price, if you can get a bet on August or It's all about market forces. Oh, well, it is. I'll, I will grant you that. Um, Ed, you were at Chester. Um, for the three days. Aidan won a classic trial, GC mentioned, hard work for San Antonio in the D, but afterwards it was straight to August Rodan. The button switched straight away and he barely had a word for the win. And as GC says, the, the cupboard is pretty bare in the in the Colt department for Ballydoyle, which is very, very unusual, isn't it, this time of year? Um, it's hard to disagree with Scoop, <laughs> unfortunately. Big Gus. Um, 
And in, in Aiden, you trust. That's all you've got to go on, really, apart from the two-year-old form. You're going with Aiden. Um, and San Antonio, you could see from the reaction to that. It was quite funny having Johnny Murter on that day because the last time we'd had him on on D-Day, if you like, was when um, Circus Maximus did the same. And he said, yeah, Queen's Vars for him as he as he went and won the St. James's Palace. Um, <laughs> but he barely made a ripple. Um, it's all in with, with, with Gus, isn't it, uh, for the derby? But, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was very keen on military order until I spoke to Kieran Fallon yesterday, who said flying honours is the better of the two. So Thursday will be very interesting, very, very interesting with that, Dante. Um, and I got in a bit of hot water for saying the derby was a hard sell, but for the, to sell the derby, particularly with its start time and so on, and I'd have much rather have an evening start time. I hoped we'd have the second leg of the Triple Crown. I hoped... The king would have a seriously fancied runner. The one thing we have got is Frankie, and, and Frankie is the is the one hook at the moment. Well, Ed, we, you know, for years we've watched Ed and O'Brien dominate the derby, and you know that that in itself is sometimes a bit of a hard sell, isn't it? You know, remember the Serpentine year, etc. Do you not think there's there's a bit of a? It feels like there's a bit of a change, a, a huge change, really, in the derby in terms of, you know, Charlie Appleby's won it twice now. Frankel is starting to dominate this. Um, middle distance division. We saw that with, you know, Adair and Hurricane Line, and now we've got military order. And it just feels there's a there's a huge change in the wind uh, regarding this, you know, division. And that's something, you know, to, you know, to talk about. There's a real narrative there, isn't there? How how would you publicise that scoop? How would what would you what would your tagline be? Well, you know, it's it's you know it's it's back on, isn't it? The old Godolphin v Coolmore is the, the battle is there, and it actually looks like it's swinging in the favour of, of the boys in blue rather than Bally Doyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and a wide open derby's good. Yeah. I'm just thinking of, of of how you sell the race. What 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 are the hooks you've got for that wider public for a derby? Um, so it could be one hell of a world pool race this year. Could we? we could have five to on the field and twenty runners. It could be the absolute Hopefully <laughs> people gonna, will have a crack. We'll have to make a case with the defence for August Rodan against the, the naysayers and the top left top back. He's been written off on the back of one run in a race where 90% of the field ran below par in on ground that was very different to what they were expecting. You still retain a glimmer of faith, don't you, Matt? More than a glimmer. Um, and, and it's not just a, a, a gust thing. Um, we touched on this last week. I'm tossing out a large slice of the Guinea's Day form because of the weather and the ground. I'm tossing it completely. Now that doesn't mean I, I want to lump on Augustus roll down at uh, four to one or six to one on exchanges, etc. Um, but it, it means I'm, I'm, I'm much more forgiving. I'm not. I think anybody who says you know that he's a busted flush, um, which you see that Epictetus goes and runs close than the Dante, because the one thing I do know is that Gus Rodan is a better horse than Epictetus. I can tell you that categorically from what they showed at Doncaster. Um, so uh, I'd like to see Epictetus run well, and I am I am absolutely prepared to see a vastly different racehorse turn up um, on the first Saturday in June. But Military Honour has laid down a persuasive marker. Stamina, no problem. Track, most unlikely to be a problem. Um, pedigree, full brother to Adair, and that time form rating of 119p. If he runs to that mark, he's bound to be in the first three on Derby Day. If he can progress on it, he is a worthy, worthy, very worthy Derby favourite. If we get a muddling Dante, Dave, he could be 9-4 to four by Thursday night.
That, that was Keegan S, GC, with Gus there. That was no, Keegan S. I'm, I'm not, I'm not backing off. I'm not backing off. He can't win the triple crown, but there's a double crown there to be won, Ed. <laughs> and, and GC, on, can we also, can we toss out the Dubawis? Well, the, the, the interesting thing is Aiden's got a few of them now. <laughs> uh, but as you say, as you hint at there, and correctly, that the Dubawi record in, in the derby is, is none too flash. David, we need to talk military order. He, he's, the case had been made there by Ben and um, GC, and at one one nine p, that's that feels a lofty rating off the off the back of a Lingfield derby trial win. Yeah, it is, and it's it's one of those where it's taken a little bit of engineering, I guess. Um, the Lingfield derby trial, obviously being on polytrack, we know how these kind of races tend to run. It's rare that they're a, a flat out gallop, so. If you took all of the form, literally, strictly speaking, you couldn't rate it that high. But I think it's fairly clear that the first two, in a more truly run race, would probably have pulled clear of the rest. Uh, I guess, arguably, with the exception of Circle of Fire, who probably didn't come in for one of Ryan Moore's finest rides this season. I think it's fair to say it ended up far too far back. But... Um, yeah, you know, these polytrack races, it's very hard for them to get strung out when they go the gallop that they did. So I think military order, you can be upgrading. Like uh, GC says, that 119p rating is, is pretty punchy for a Lingfield Derby trial winner. Um, it's obviously not a typical Lingfield Derby trial in that we've run it on the all-weather. But um, the last time that happened, main sequence went on to finish second to Camelot. So I don't think we necessarily need to see it as a negative for all. Obviously, if he'd done it at Lingfield on the turf track, it would bear even closer resemblance to uh, to Epsom. But um, he's just... I, I wasn't too keen on him ahead of uh, Lingfield. I thought it was very easy to pick holes in what he did at Newbury had the run of things in a slow time, but um, he's definitely taken a big step up there. And you are really having to look and hope that something really good comes from the Dante because um, he's, he's really set set the ball park quite high, I think. I loved him at the line. I, you know, I just, you know, his ears were pricked. He looked like Two he was just pricked. getting going. He was, he was just getting going, wasn't it? I just think, you know, the derby is made for him. Mm. That's going to be the headline on the podcast, Starvey Scoop. The derby is made for him. We've now got our hook for this podcast. We want to talk about the Oaks, David. Um, I'm desperately refreshing my email to see if Graham North's con uh, column landed. It still hasn't, because it's dissectioned on the uh, Cheshire Oaks. In the, When you see a horse win, like Save the Last Dance did, I nearly put the for me on again that time, <laughs> do a alarm bell thing with you. The, the theory was they went too hard up front, they fall in a hole and she's... Just gone clear. I'm led to believe by my some erstwhile time farm colleagues that the sectionals don't indicate that they went too hard up front in that Cheshire Oaks and that she was her closing sectional stood up to stood up to inspection. Well, it's sort of a cross between the two in that uh, those that went off in front, well, they did go off too hard for their ability because look where they finished. But in terms of save the last dance, it wasn't a case of a running through beaten horses and only running through beaten horses. Um, you know, even just, it, it's tricky trying to make full sense of everything in those kind of conditions. But we take the last two furlong sectionals at Chester um, on the, the time former statistics and say the last dance, she ran her last two furlongs in around 26 seconds. Whereas compared to a rest who, I mean, that race was far more attritional 
his last two furlongs took 30 and a half seconds. So she's run it much, much quicker than what he did. And, you know, it's, it is whenever you get a 22 length winner, there's always going to be quite a margin for error in terms of what that rating could ultimately prove worth. But I think it's very, very difficult to knock her claim. She she just looks a top-class filly that's going to keep on galloping for as long as they want her to. Josie, we've, we've seen many a trial over many a year. Do you take that? How excited are you by her? Do you take the fall yeah. face value? Well, I remember last week, and, and this is not because I thought she was a superstar at the time, but I can remember saying on, about the Chester race, my vision is of her getting to the front and grinding out and winning by distance. Now, I didn't envisage that distance being 22 lengths, um, but I could envisage her putting up a, an emphatic performance in the Oaks, especially if she gets easy ground. Uh, you know, I can envisage one of those Oaks if she gets softish ground coming across towards the stands rail and piling it on a bit like Snowfall did um, a couple of years ago. So, no, what are two cards still to be played? We've got the uh, Musidora tomorrow, Infinite Cosmos and Company. That's an intriguing race in its own right. Um, but, you know, it, it's very hard to not what she did last week. And stamina, absolutely proven, relentless galloper. And it's, she's going to be quite aptly named uh, in the end because there aren't many Galileos left now. Um, and if the one who is a real star in, in the final props is called Save the Last Dance, it would be quite appropriate, wouldn't it? And Ed, when you were peeking out from underneath the umbrella at Chester, did you think you'd just seen the Elks winner? Yeah, I thought a couple of interesting things from her, I thought. The fact that she was in season beforehand, Francesca made a big play off. And <clears throat> watching the early stages of the race, I was thinking, oh my gosh, she couldn't do this in an Oaks. But like Emily Upjohn, when she missed the break last mm -hmm. year, you wouldn't want to see her being rousted along early to stay with them. But I think I'd probably put that down to the fact she was in season and she probably was just being a fraction moody at the start. And she just looked an absolute monster already. And, and the only thing that slightly put me off, you know, the, the two to one, which felt big at the time, was with Aidan having still to come, be happy at Lingfield. He had never ending story in Ireland. He's got Lombarda and other, looks like his fillies are really good. You thought to yourself, hmm, if there aren't any Colts around, might he throw one in? to the Derby this year, which would be very interesting because I think she might be that good. Um, and she's very short, but it was a monstrous performance. She is huge. She is absolutely huge and imposing. Some will worry about the ground, but it's not going to be quick ground on, on the Friday <laughs> at all. It just can't be. There's no, there's no way they'd let that happen. So I wouldn't be too worried on the ground front uh, either. Um, it, 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 was, it was a miserable day, brightened by what was a stunning performance. And did it brighten the Ben Linfoot mood? I, I'm just, I'm scared to come to you sometimes. Look at him, he looks unconvinced. But did, did you win you over, Scoop? Um, look, I mean, how can you argue with that? She she, she looked pretty monstrous, didn't she? Um, and the way she pulled clear in those final two furlongs, uh, you're looking at her at five to four, aren't you? And I'm I'm a little bit more worried about the ground than Ed. I, you know, if it was soft ground, I'd be dead happy with my five to four, I think. But if it's good and she's fit, I don't know. I think she's obviously a very good filly, but there might be two or three in the Oaks with similar ability on different ground conditions. Um, you know, with, with, I think it looks a good Musadora. We'll be talking about that later on in the podcast. That looks a, could be a key trial in the Oaks. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll see on the fence. I, I won't, I won't be backing her at a current price. 
beautiful linkage uh, because we are going to talk about the Tattersall's Music or the Stakes and the York Dante Festival. And before we do, we're just going to hear from York Chief, Chief Executive, even and Clark of the course, William Darby. William, it's come round again. How how do you spend the winter? How quickly does it seem to come round from the, the gates closing in October to the reopening in May? Well, it, it seems to have come round really quickly from my assignment for Sporting Life at the Melbourne <laughs> Cup in November, where I where I posted a few blogs to the website. An amazing trip there, and 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 really the winter's been really busy on on new projects we've done around the race course and on the track, sort of trying to recruit overseas runners and and lots of race planning developments, and and really it's a time for the team to draw breath and plan people will have seen our sort of environmental work we've been working really hardly on hard on during the winter months so it it soon comes round and and um we often joke it'd be so much easier if we were always racing all year round because getting the race course juggernaut back up and running seems to seems to take a few weeks every spring when when we forget where we stored things and everything but um no we're all ready to go really looking forward to this season you know i think everyone's on a real a real buzz and a high of 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 getting going again and looking forward to an amazing dante festival week yeah again it's record prize money for york for 2023 how difficult is it willing to achieve that given the financial headwinds in society and in the sport specifically too yeah, really difficult and a real investment. I think that's how we'd see it in in the racing product, in the sport itself. Um, we know the challenges of keeping the best horses in these shores and trained in in Europe rather than going further afield. And and we're in competition with race courses and festivals all around the world. So we do see it as an investment. Um, we had some amazing racing here last year um, uh, on the Navesmar and a record average field size of um, and the highest of any British race course. So, so those those runners and delivering competitive, compelling racing is is what we're about. The better we do at that, the more we'll get in return from people engaging with the sport, watching the sport, betting on the sport, and coming coming to the race course most crucially so so we see it's an investment we put another three quarters of a million pounds into prize money so 10.75 we've really tried to raise our base level so no race less than 20,000 pounds previously it was 15,000 no race at Ebor less than 100,000 pounds and this week no race less than 25,000 pounds so as well as our feature and our flagship meetings we tried to really make every race a valuable, compelling proposition for both horsemen and our followers and racegoers. The early signs are certainly encouraging, given the entries for the Dante Festival. We've got the 1895 Duke of York on Wednesday. I mean, in a normal year, Highfield Princess V Creative Force would tell it itself. We've got that added dimension, an Australian sprinter. You touched upon the need to attract or desire to attract overseas time. How delighted you have one coming through the gates in May? Yeah, we're really pleased about that. I don't think we've ever had an Australian competitor in 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 this race before. Indeed, I can't remember who won at the Dante Festival. So, so really interested to see him. Anthea Lee was out in Dubai and saw him come second in the Al Quaz. Obviously, that's a hugely in Australia. The sprint division is really high quality and high class. And it'll be interesting to see how he competes against the best in our backyard. Um, creative force obviously we saw at the breeders cup um so and highfield princess lay all before her the last year and of course comes back as 
the defending champion of this race. So, so a really high quality sprinting field. Um, really interesting. I, I, I'm not sure about the Australian horse, whether he'll be competitive against the best of our horses. Um, I spoke to an Australian the other day and they weren't so sure how, how he'd compete over here. And, and another Australian thought he blitz all us European sprinters. So <laughs> it'll be fascinating to see. Um, uh, there's uh, quite a bit of filming of him done in Newmarket. So, so people can follow on the socials and, and see him in his training regime. And it'll be great to see him here on the Naismar on Wednesday. And you must just be thrilled full stop, will you, with how the, the fields are filling and the quality of horses that are coming through for the three days? Yeah, re- really pleased, especially the feature races, Dave. Um, you know, the, the Tassels Musadora looks looks really impressive with those fillies that some of them could be anything. You know, they might have win a maiden or, or, or a, a, a lower race in the spring um, and being fairly unexposed. So, of course, last year we saw Emily Upjohn almost complete the double of the Musadora Oaks, um, bar her stumble at the start at Epsom. So, so it's a it looks like a really strong Tassels Musadora. Yeah, Bestie Equal Dubai Dante again. Last year we had Desert Crown who went on to complete the double. Um, again, Master Michael Stout looks like he's got some a really interesting colt there who 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 could be anything. Um, and a lot of reputations on the line, of course. And I'm sure we'll see these colts come back in the big middle distance races during the summer and maybe return for the one million pound jump international at the Skybet Evil Festival in August. So so really exciting there. And and then we roll on to the Boodles Yorkshire Cup at the end of the week, the one mile six race where whereby Stradivarius made the race his own for three years. Um and and we oh, well Spanish mission won one year of course. And um and we've got Quickthorn who was so impressive at last year's Evil Festival coming back. Um, and, and it's the sort of post-Stradivarius eagle for stayers and, and with Troshan dropping by the wayside. So, so it's a time for a new star to emerge and it'll be interesting to see who we see on Friday. Yeah, no better place for a star to emerge than at York. And William, final question. We've seen lots of heavy ground trials and big races this spring uh, through the flat season. I've looked at the government, but good ground and a decent weather forecast. I'm trying to touch all available wood. How set are you for the week? <laughs> well, yeah, we are good ground at the moment, Dave. We missed some of those those showers that were around in Yorkshire this time last week, and the Chester caught the copter copped a lot of. The last rainfall we had was three millimeters on on Thursday. Recording this on on Tuesday lunchtime, um, so so we could get a shower at tea time today. They're saying one sort of zipping through, no more than a millimeter or two. Um, that with that wouldn't harm us if if we caught one or didn't get one. We're pretty much good ground. I think starting the meeting on on Wednesday, it looks like, given the forecast. The forecast is almost set fair. A um, bit of cloud cover, not particularly warm, sort of 16, 17, 18 degrees as we go through the week. And, and once we get through this shower risk at tea time today, there's no significant rain in the forecast. Again, there might be the odd scuttling shower, but nothing nothing significant. So so good ground. We may even quicken up to a bit of good to firm by the end of the week. And we insignificantly, we haven't had to do any watering. So it's completely natural conditions. We had a wet a wet March on the Naismar, a fairly average um, April, and then we've had 18 millimetres of rain so far in May. So natural conditions, the grass is growing really strongly, the track looks amazing, um, Adrian Kane and his team have done a great job, and, and yeah, we're all set to go. 
Download the Sporting Life app for the best racing coverage, including live racing blogs, fast results, stable tours, trainer and jockey interviews, expert opinion and tips. Well, thanks to William there. Good luck to the team at York for the three days. Can't wait for the action live, of course, on ITV. One of the feature racers on day one on Wednesday, the Tattersall's Musidora Stakes. Ed Chamberlain, which filly are you most looking forward to seeing in this? Good little contest. A lot of guesswork involved. Um, I'd love to see Jack Shannon's filly run well for him. He's made such a good start uh, in sole charge there. But the filly I've always liked, Audie, um, is Midnight Mile of Richard Henry's and, and Richard Fahey. And I remember saying to Richard last year, because she was a bit inexperienced and still ran really well, must be said, in America. And I said, guineas to him. And he said, no, 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 we, we, we won't go down the guineas. Always said from day one, Musadora. And I don't know what he's, he said you in the build up to it, but he's, he's kept that word and trained her for this. And hopefully she's had a good prep. Um, and I think she could, could be very good. And I'm surprised she's, she's as big a price, nine, ten to one, as she is. Has Richard been positive about her? Yeah, has said prep's gone absolutely to plan. They've got her ready for it. I think he was hoping it'd be a slightly weaker Musidora, but I don't think you get such a thing, do you, nowadays? It's it's a big group race in its own right and a valuable pot to win. But no, the, the noises are encouraging. The stable are ticking over quite nicely as well. Two it, it, and you look know what she's done and the favourite, you know, the, the, the seven to four favourite's just a maiden winner. So I'd be in the midnight mile camp. GC, it's a fair point about infant. But no points, though, Audi. Points are coming no, later. No, no, no. Points have to be stipulated right at the start. There is, there is one I want to back later, if that's OK, from first in a while. We've got that much invested in next year's article. We, we can't be waiting to win a million. Infinite Cosmos GC is fair, off the back of a maiden win. Where, where do you sit with her? Well, I, I think she's... Let, let's forget the Oaks for a moment. If she can win this handsomely tomorrow, she, she'll tighten up, obviously. But to win this she's going to have to improve and improve appreciably. And she may well do that. She's only had two runs. But like Ed said, there, there's a bit of depth here. For various reasons, you can make a case for several other horses. And, and I'll make a certainly a wooden place case uh, for number six, Novakai, um, for the very simple reason that, as things stand, she has the best form in the race. She progressed really nicely in four runs. Second, uh, good second in the May Hill at Donny. And then a very good second behind commissioning in the Group 1 uh, Phillies Mile uh, at Newmarket. And she seems uncomplicated, Dave, and she's bred to relish uh, a mile and a quarter plus. She's by Lope de Vega, um, but her dam won mile of four, mile six from the family of Palisator, who stayed two miles plus on his head. So this is a filly with a good pedigree. It's quite surprising that she achieved what she did at two. So I, I think she'll be hard to keep out of the three. Really interesting stuff. Ben, what's your views on the beauty darling? Yeah, well, I think it, like we said before, I think it's going to be a key trial and Infinite Cosmos seven to one, I think, for the Oaks at the minute. So you would think if she wins this well, she's she's going to be um, challenging Save the Last Dance. Um, I think it's it is, a, it is a deep renewal and there's a, a really interesting outsider uh, trained by David Simcock, Empress Wu, because uh, owner Kirsten Rousing's horses have a fine record in this race. Um, her auntie, Madame Chang, won it on uh, her second start, I think, back in 2014. And um, the same owners had, had three placed horses, I think, since. So obviously targets this race and uh, Empress Wu by See the Moon won really impressive to one twenty to one. Um, but I'd definitely be keeping an eye on her for sure. Totally. I think you tell the up nature, the beauty door, oh, behind the favourite with the, the three selections from three people so far. How do you see the race? Yeah, it's a cracking race. And it, 
it is one of those races that you can look at and think, you know, this is the real good betting option in its own right, whereas so often these trials, you can't help just look through them as a prism towards the classics themselves. But I'm with GC in this Novakai and uh, don't really need to go through what he's just said, but he, he made pretty much the cases uh, for her is, you know, everything that I would. And, uh, you know, in terms of a price for this, what is she about uh, 13 to 2, 6 to 1? Mm. I just... I think that's a knocking bet when you look at Infinite Cosmos, who is around 13 to 8, 7 to 4. Yes, she may go and improve. Yes, she may justify herself as a 6 to 1 shot for the Oaks, but she hasn't yet. And she looks, you know, really one to take on at a short price in a race that does look quite strong. Interesting stuff. Ed, we've got a really interesting renewal of the, this is very important, the 1895 Duke of York Stakes. Uh, it's a cracker. It, it is an absolute cracker. I feel Princess. John Quinn worries the Group 1 penalty is going to dupe her in this. Do you share his concerns? Oh, well, she's in the form she was in this time last year. I wouldn't share those concerns. This is a Group 1, isn't it, in all but name? It really is a good race. The, wor the worry is this astrology... As, as GC says, where do we think he's in the pecking order in Australia? 10th, 11th, 12th? Yeah. My, my, my Aussie mole said between 9 and 15. <laughs> That's um, probably going to be enough, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that it could be. It could be. Um, but it, it's not like you've got Nature Strip coming over. So he, he, he should run well on the back of his Dubai run. He's got a rating of 115, whereas Highfield Princess is 119. But the Group 1 penalty brings him uh, and creative force and perhaps one or two others uh, much closer than um, than you might expect. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see Highfield Princess. We're going to do a little feature with John Fairley and Bruff Scott, which would be good fun, uh, ahead of her reappearance. Creative force looked good at the weekend. Good race, good race. But with the Australian in there, it just saps your confidence a little bit and having a strong opinion. And is it a race that's floating your boat? Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a cracker. It's fascinating. This uh, the astrologist, isn't he? He sounds like he's been fourth in a chest of ours for Aidan O'Brien, but he was <laughs> born and bred down under, and uh, he's actually, you know, GC's mole nine to fifteenth in Australia. I mean, he's not from ten in Group Ones. He's he's got a fairly average strike rate, hasn't he? So it will be interesting to see where he fits in the pecking order. I think, you know, he's probably. Looking at his form, he's probably going to be, you know, rated towards what I feel Princess is. So we shall see how uh, he performs. Yes. But yeah, um, I feel Princess, first time out under a penalty, probably probably not the time to catch her, you would think. So um, there, there, might be, there might be a bet in the race against her. A couple of horses have defied the Group 1 penalty in this race uh, in relatively recent times. It can be done. Just to align on the tactics here, I think this is going to be fiery from the start, as it should be. But if you think about Highfield Princess's run style, uh, if you think Diligent Harry's gone forward recently, uh, the Astrologist is a go-forward horse, and Marshman in particular, and great to see a good uh, young three-year-old uh, in the mix here. So I think tactics um, is going to be a, a significant part of this because we have three or four fancied horses um, who can all go hard from an early stage. I thought he might run well at a big price, Diligent Harry. You know, I think he's improving as he gets yeah, older. Yeah. Sit from the all weather, and I, th I thought he might catch a few of these out. And David, isn't it great to see at this time of the year a, a, a group sprint with so many different angles to it, so many different ways of approaching it? It is, yeah, and it's sort of whichever way you you, you like is your own preference, isn't it? And um, this high field princess, I, I'm sort of. Uh, 
on a negative with her, I think, first time out, definitely. Uh, when she looked so good in this race last year, it was a fifth run of the year. She'd been mm -hmm. really on the go throughout the all-weather season. And I think, you know, you look through her career, she's been beaten on a reappearance um, in the last two seasons. And I, I, when you get these fillies that just thrive on their racing, like she was doing last year, it's a big thing to expect them to come back fit and fresh first time up, just as good as what they were. Particularly when, I think I remember seeing an interview with John Quinn earlier in the year, and he's got some pretty grand plans for her, but most of them are centering around September, October, November and going abroad. So I don't think it's going to be in their interest to have been getting a real spot on ready for what is just a group two. Um, I thought the real interesting one, and it, it's not sort of digging too deep, but I was watching Creative Force at um, Haydock at the weekend. So I think it's pretty significant that they're turning him out quickly. Uh, I wasn't expecting to see him, but I think they've, They've learned something there about the way to ride him. He was a little bit disappointing, I thought, at um, at Newmarket on his reappearance, where he just looked a little bit slow taking a lead. Now, I think being more aggressive on him and just making sure that uh, he's not ridden for a turn of foot, I think, you know, we know he's a proper Group 1 sprinter. He's proven that time and time again. And I think the fact that he comes here fit, fresh, and with that good run at Haydock and just sort of Buick relearning on what it is that they want to see from him. I think if you see Creative Force banged out, I think he's going to take quite a bit of catching. He seems likely to replace Highfield Princess's favourite, don't you think? The, the gap between them has narrowed in the last 24 hours. And and I think the, the, our caution, everybody loves Highfield Princess, but the caution about the penalty and the layoff means that I, I think people are going to think Creative Force is the more solid favourite. Yeah, I agree. Looking at the, the odd checker grid, it's, they're certainly heading in that direction seemingly. Thursday, the Albasti Equiworld Dubai, um, Dante Stakes, um, not just a derby trial, a fantastic uh, race in its own right. Ed Chamberlain, 7-2 flying on as top prize is the favourite. What was it Kevin Fallon was saying that's got you to lump on and force his prize change? Yeah, I've just got the dates for it. 12 in it, 12 in it, and a proper race. Really good. Um yeah, Fallon's answer wasn't the one I wanted at all, actually, as a fan of military order. Um, it sounded from what he was saying. I mean, the, the, the rumour mill in this race is in full swing, really, because <laughs> if flying honours is better than military order, what do you read into that? You hear that passengers works better than the, the royal horse at Stout. It's fascinating that he's come from a wood dit into this, Stouty. Um, and the other one that, at a price who I think could be very interesting is the ammo horse, King of Steel, who's a 25 to 1 chance. And then the, the horse that probably is not getting the credit it deserves is, is James Ferguson's horse, Canberra Legend. So it, it's, a, it's a really interesting Dante, this. And then you throw in, Epi, how do you say it? Epictetus, mm -hmm. the blue ribbon winner at, at Epsom. Epictetus. Epictetus. I don't know. Um, that's my guess. What about the passenger or passenger? Uh, he's the type of horse who's going to attract a lot of interest because of Stout's record in this race, especially last year. Desert Crown, but it's just impossible to get a, a really firm handle on his potential based on Newmarket, isn't it? Yeah, Wood Ditton winner coming coming to the Dante. Yeah. yeah. I think the Wood Ditton's like, I mean, 20 years ago, before the all weather and the, the late season maidens that were there, basically the shutters came down at the GC in November Handicap Day and didn't start again. And all these beautifully bred horses that had a set about, they'd go to the Wood Ditton and you'd get classic horses. They're now running at 
the all weather at Newcastle in November, December to get a run under the belt rather than heading unraced into a three-year-old campaign. So it, it, it would be a turn-up for the books if there was a, a really good one in there. But mm. Ed said the vibes are strong, and he's strong in the market as well, JC. Yeah, I, I think it would be a turn-up for the books if Flying Honours proves a better horse than Military Order, myself. Um, I understand that Fallon gets to see these horses every day or most days, but um, he looked a pretty good horse at two. Um, he looked a strong stayer when he won the Zetland Stakes, but I, I'm not sure that he's his derby material. Either way, that this race is going to have a potentially a significant bearing uh, on the derby. I, I, I don't have a strong view. What I will do is have a good look at them in the paddock on Thursday and try and take it from there. David, you've got horses like the Foxes, Stepping up in trip, there's loads of again white bird to Ballisax winner. I'm sure if he was an Aid O'Brien Ballisax winner, he wouldn't be eight, ten to one. He's there for and Billy mentioned him earlier on the podcast. Where are you approaching the Dante from? To be honest, it's just going to be a race to sit back and learn from. Um, there's, there's too many horses for me that you could make a case for, but you know, you're expecting everything to have to step up to win a typical Dante, and it's just very difficult to sort of. Uh, to be too dogmatic, I think, about who's going to make the most progress uh, given the stage that you're at with them at, at this time time of year. Um, I was impressed with Canberra Legend in that at field and stakes at Newmarket. The way he won, you'd be really confident about him being even better over a mile and a quarter and probably over a mile and a half. But, you know, there's five or six in here that you would really expect to improve on what they've shown so far. So it, it could be a bit of a minefield. Ben, not as a derby trial as a race itself. What do you like in the Dante? It's a cracking race. It's going to be really informative. It'll be interesting to see what happens to military orders price if Flying Honours does does bolt up in this. We'll get a real handle on, on what the ad think then. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I do think Flying Honours will run well. I mean, that Zetland Stakes has been a good classic pointer over the last few years since Kew Gardens, really. And, uh, and he won that well. Um, it's interesting that White Birch is coming over. John Joseph Murphy. I mean, he 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 won well, didn't he? In the uh, Leopardstown, was it the Leopardstown Derby Trail he won? Oh, the Ballysax, I think. Ballysax, yeah, a Derby Trail at Leopardstown. But um, yeah, he's another one by Ulysses, who's had a good start, and uh, we're going to get a good handle on the Irish form too with his um, uh, participation in the race. So, unfortunately, Dave, I think it's just a fact finding mission. We're all sitting on the fence a little bit, yeah. but really, right. do you have any sky bet prices there? for me already in the Dante. Would you believe it? That's exactly what I was looking for. No, I have some prices for the... What, pro the what price King of Steel? Seven to the field. Yeah, it's, it's a proper... Um, what price King of Steel for ammo? Give, give us one 16. second. He had a really tall reputation, didn't he? I thought it was interesting after that debut win, they threw him in deep end very quickly, didn't they? Yeah, um, and then bombed out, didn't he, in the Burton Futurity, yeah. The stable switch. I'm not like a stable switch, don't they? That's definitely part of their... Modus operandi. You, you don't one have more we long. should mention, I think, as well, that uh, dear my friend for Charlie Johnston, who was beaten by flying honours as a two-year-old, but came out and won the Burden Stakes at Newcastle, a, list, a listed race that's working out really well. And uh, he's going to be a big price for the Dancy. And Charlie Johnston's obviously still got Dubai Mile for the... For that's the, the bet. Move. That's the bet in the derby. Do you think so? Dubai Mile, yeah. He's yeah, completely... Well, he ran well for a horse that's definitely going to stay, didn't he? In the Guineas, I don't fancy him. I don't. I don't fancy him to be arrest. Uh, they were very closely matched on that song clue. Um, Ten furlong grind arrest moved through that race to me at least, like like a better horse than Dubai Mile. So 
Uh, we'll have another match, but Ed. Yes, um, oh, hang on for that. This is it. This is it. Well, we it's GXP all over again, isn't it? <laughs> another lavish lunch is going on the line very shortly. I, but talk, <laughs> I think I mean, I've never won one. But talking talk to Obama, that does bring the Foxes in, doesn't it, Manny? He beat him in the Royal Lodge. Inadequate test in the Craven, ran well there on his return. If you took the Dante as like 10 furlong, which it is, 10 furlong group to a race, you can understand why they pointed him there. So, That's me, Dave. It was to you, so yes, I thought you'd be a fan of the whole. Clearly <laughs> <laughs> not, I've misjudged. I've misjudged no, no, I, I, am a, I am a fan. I think this is this is the perfect stepping stone for him, isn't it? He ran really well in the, in the Craven, didn't he? And uh, you would think he would step up on that performance second stat at three. So... Look, he's another one in a in a in a in a fascinating mix up here. We all agree it's a fascinating dandy. Lots to learn from that. Race. Ben's views will appear on Sporting Life, they'll be very very closely subbed before they hit the, the airways this weekend. It's a tremendous race. Look forward to a tremendous week. Anybody else got any other fancies for York? Anything else on the radar? Yes. Here we go. Here we go. Ed Chamberlain. Is this my other goal today? Before the before the before the before the point goes down, or you might be able to help me because you'll have spoken to columnist Richard Farhi, but I think yeah. he might win the Mary Gate with the filly who was so unlucky at Newmarket behind the High Clear horse. Oh, um, I think the, the word was that was the Farhi Queen Mary horse before that race, um, and she was very unlucky, wasn't she? And I think she might be worth another chance in in the Mary Gate where there's a short priced ammo horse in there. But I think four to one with Skybet, something like that would be a a worthy investment if you give me the green light from the master I, from Musley Bank. He absolutely loved her. He said that she'd never been off the bridle out. He couldn't believe she, I spoke to him um on the morning that she ran. He couldn't believe she drifted to sixteen to one because they did think she was well asking material, never come off the bridle at home and he said it must be one hell of a race. And she only like I'm just I'm not a hundred percent certain. I haven't spoken to it this is just if she'll run. Because I think the dilemma is do you go there or do you go for a novice maiden Take a penalty kick and go to Ascot off the back of that. So I'll I'll wait to see her declared before I back her. Okay. But she is a filly that they absolutely Midnight loved. Midnight affair, yeah. Midnight affair. Half sister to Rhythm Master, isn't she? With a call to eat. He trained and hit the frame in a group one, two year old race a few years ago. So Midnight affair for Ed. Anybody else got anything on the York radar? Well, there's an interesting one that I've been uh, waiting for, and was I, hoping I... He, I was hoping he was. I haven't been waiting that long. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to turn up at uh, the Dante meeting. It's this gives a sub of Kevin Ryan's, and uh, what well, obviously is a deep sprint handicap, but um, best run of his life came over course and distance when he was second in the gym crack. And then it's so often we see it with these types of horse that they lose their way as a three-year-old. They drop down the handicap and then they come back as uh, four-year-olds. And I thought he shaped pretty damn well in that uh, new market race at Guinea's uh, meeting that was won by Probe. Um, he made the running down the centre of the track, saw a lot of daylight and ended up weakening only sort of in the last 200 yards or so, having sort of been banged there for a long way. The handicap has dropped him a couple of pounds since then. And if he is still as good as what he was when he was running in the gym crack, then a mark of 88 looks pretty interesting. And, I mean, you know what these races are like. There's plenty of pacing. Don't know what the draw's going to be, but um, he's one of them sprint handicappers that I'm following now until he wins. And he does look to have a pretty good setup at York on, on Wednesday. So uh, he's a sub in the 2.25 on Wednesday. 
Thanks, David. Scoot, were you going to throw something in then? Yes, there's a dead interesting one, an eyebrow-raising one in the Skybet Hambleton handicap on Thursday. Just got the decks through and he's in at the bottom of the weights, Rise Hall. Now, we haven't seen him for 800 days, but he's he's been given a massive chance by the handicapper because of the absence. Uh, trained by Jeff Aldride, who's won the race before with Al- Alfred Hutchinson, and he's a trainer who who targets the Dante meeting. So I don't know, um, obviously, about the horse's well-being with him being off uh, for so long, but I do know that he's won handicaps off marks of 96 and... Um, run well off 99 and he's in here off 87 and for a trainer that that targets the meeting I'll be watching the early prices and seeing how he settles in the market because um, he's got an obvious chance if he's anywhere near what he was a couple of years ago. Fantastic stuff and GC just we need to mention the lock-ins before we depart um, the the podcast. Um, An intriguing video this year last year it was all about Bayeed and the seen a superstar this is a group one with a big field and lots of people thinking they might win it yeah it's a very unusual um race in some respects because without Baid, there are i'm looking down the field and i know that um angel blair won a group one as a two-year-old but if you look down the list Berkshire shadow cash check and challenge chinda jadumi jumbi light infantry loose sale modern games is obviously a group one performer but he's one of very few in the race. I, I've had a look at this race and a few points um, raised themselves. I think it will be a biggish field. I think it'll hold up well numbers wise. I think there are plenty of front runners in the race. Uh, Fab is bringing tribalist over, a Godolphin horse who's really clicked as a four-year-old, won a group three and a group two, and he's relished being allowed to bowl along. So he's going to go forward. My Prospero... He's now jocked up with Mark Wand. He ran a terrific race, as you know, for a close third in the champion stakes. He'll be on the speed. Mutasabek has thrived with blinkers and getting easy leads by and large in those two new market races. He faces a very different test. Modern Games is the highest rated horse, 121. I think the comment of his defeat in Keeneland first time this season has him uh, having been given too much to do. No chance with them, winner, that type of thing. I think Timeform agree with that. I'm not sure I do. Um, I haven't got split times for the race, but my impression that he just wasn't really at his best. He might be at the weekend, but I think there are loads you can make a case for here. And one horse I do have a soft spot for is Jadumi, uh, the Crisford's horse who thrived after being gelded last season, won three of four and was a really good third behind Bayside Boy and just behind Modern Games in the QE2. So he's a horse I could see running very well, but I think it's going to have the look of... a. High quality group one handicap type betting race this because the, there will be at least six or seven you could make a convincing case for it does feel like just that sort of race doesn't it Dave? when you you go down it looking at the entries looking at the time from ratings it's it's a fascinating group one it is yeah and you know we moan when we get group ones that are turned into possessions that we say oh it's boring but by he's just got to turn up and palace pier we've seen similarly in the lock engine then when we get a race like this, we moan that there's not a really good horse in it. So, you know, we want us cake and eat it, really. But this is, it does look to be a fascinating race. The GC set it up there pretty well, you know. Um, it does look like it's going to be a strongly run race. Um, I mean, I, that was my concern with Jadumi as well. He's another one that has tended yeah, to go forward true. in his very races. True. And um, so it, it could be a well-run race. And Newbury... It, it, 
it's obviously a flat track, but um, it, the mile can take a fair bit of getting, and the, the ground has been uh, on the slow side there all spring so far, hasn't it? I think they're still calling good to soft, soft in places. So it depends on how much that dries out. But I, I haven't gone through the racing great detail yet, but I will be looking for something that is going to be ridden patiently and creep into the race and sort of be be ridden to pick up the pieces and hopefully picks up them all. Well, this is a big call from the Gosdens with this Philly Laurel, isn't it? And Spiral was the Antipos favourite. She's now going to go straight to Royal Ascot. She was a proven Group 1 Philly. Laurel, with only four runs behind her, is going to go straight from a, a listed race where she was odds-on at Kempton straight into Group 1 company. And I can't think of too many times when, when Gosden would do that for a race like this. So that's notable. Yeah, I mean, she, she, she took a big step up, didn't she? She ran in the Sun Chariot yeah. um, last year and that was just off the back of an all-weather novice win i think so um it does look like um he is prepared to roll the big dice as he likes mm. to do every now and again with this filling will you be rolling the big lean foot dice in the the lock-in scoop or will they be staying in your your dice bag um i'm looking forward to seeing my prospero for william haggis i thought he was sort of nurtured away quietly in the shadow of Bayed last season a little bit wasn't he but ended up beating that horse in in the champion stakes and he's from a family that get better and better with age and I think it's going to be a big year for my Prospero so um, he could be the one that just, just sits away quietly and, and, and eats his way into it because we know he's proven over further he's a horse with pace and I'm sure he'll be ready first time up so at this stage he's the one I've got my eyes on On a related point what's happened to that other Haggis horse Maljum remember how he was desperate and lucky mm. fourth in the St. James's Palace, hasn't run since. Yeah. Um, doesn't have any short-term entries, but does have a Queen Anne entry because he looked really exciting um, last summer, didn't he? I was going to nip away, be very unprofessional, dash it, because I've got Mark Howard's head on the flat book forward by Ed Chamberlain. And um, he spoke Forward to slash him, Dave Ord. <laughs> they don't spoil the magic. And um, I don't want to take the blame either, but I, could, I, I haven't got it at hand. He spoke to him about the call. It'd be great to see him back because he... He did, he did look so lucky, didn't he? That, that oh, is it? Just have a look up at there, then. Just what what page am I looking for? The William Haggis Stable Tour. I'll, I'll I'll fill time. I'll just mention August Roldan to school. We'll have another two minutes out of that. Because I should also look because you know I love that London Gold Cup. It's one of my favourite races yeah. of the year. He's got the he's got a royal horse in that. Would be very interesting. Great race, the London oh, Gold yes. Cup, isn't it? Never fails Mal to look out, does it? There. No, every year on quite a long paragraph on Mal June, if you want it. But paraphrase, I'll paraphrase. That's the out of a good presenter. for some time. <laughs> the Lockingit Newbury's first main target, followed oh. by the Queen Anne. Right. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So missed, missed the first. Hopefully, he'll make the Queen Anne. That would be very you good. You've got to update that photo as well on the front there, Audie. It's lovely, isn't it? Genuinely lovely. Dave, that London Gold Cup, Richard Fahey has an entry, um, a horse who progressed really well last autumn called Have Secret. Thinks she's a filly. Um, she's got some very solid nursery form. Um, if indeed she is a filly, uh, <laughs> and, and she, she's fourteen to one, I'd be intrigued to know whether she goes down because the the horses with the flash pedigrees and profiles like Desert Hero, uh, Exoplanet, who was second to Military Order at, at Newbury, they're bound to dominate the market. But have secrets, the proven good quality handicapper, and uh, that's the type of horse who could be overpriced. I think. And he is a gelding. Oh, I, I was say. just going to say, you. yeah, worrying development to that thing. He was gelded over the winter. <laughs> First time gelding. That's what it sounded like. Mark, Mark Howard says progressive handicapper. Mark Howard re desert hero. He will go for a derby trial in the spring, but they're coming mm. here to the London Gold Cup. Oh, it's, yeah. it's the, the greatest of games, isn't it? Greatest of games. 
And final word to Ed Chamberlain, you're about to head north to your luxury York accommodation. It's a big week, isn't it? The, <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. No. Uh, it was an ironic luxury. Um, the three days at the Dandy Festival, the lock-ins, is this a week that you savour? What are you looking forward to most as well? It's, it's two weeks to savour. You go Chester um, to Lingfield. I do enjoy Chester enormously, yeah. Yeah. Get well looked I after Chester. Hard to get to. I find Chester hard work and I was just generally interested. <laughs> and then honestly this week is terrific at York you know what a job they we heard from William Darby earlier they're so forward thinking compared to so many other places and you look at what they're doing their news release this week with what they're doing environmentally and they're just clever they're just really clever and it looks a picture and the racing honestly we talk about the 1895 Duke of York as we must call it being a group one all the way through the week those handicaps look fierce big fields and the classic trials look good. The Yorkshire Cup's going to be fascinating. It's just going to be a really, really good week. Um, yeah, I look, look forward to this one enormously. And then, obviously, as you say, down to Newbury for the weekend. Yeah, tremendous week. Well, so much to look forward to. So much we'll learn over the three days at York, too. Thanks Absolutely. to the panel. Thanks to the two Williams, Derby and Nash. It was a bonanza, <laughs> wasn't it, Audie? That was a bonanza. A bit of everything. Everything, stuff I wasn't even expecting on there. And we can completely, we can end by saying Ben Linfoot. Is Augusto Dan Ben Linfoot the worst Abbey favourite ever? I, I can't think of the worst one. There you go. And that's how we need to end the, <laughs> the, the podcast. On Flip a bombshell. Thanks again to everybody. Best of luck with your own bets across York and the weekend. We'll be back in our traditional Wednesday slot next week, no doubt reflecting on what we've seen at the Naismire and Newbury. Download the Sporting Life app for Apple and Android devices for more expert analysis, tips and opinions.